Welcome to the European Vascular Podcasts. My name is Melina Vega de Zenil. This month's editor's choice is Impact of Endovascular Pedal Artery Revascularization on Wound Healing in Patients with Critical Limb Ischemia by Dr. Jung and colleagues. This paper describes the retrospective analysis of a series of patients with critical limb ischemia, Rutherford categories 5 or 6, who underwent inframpopliteal endovascular revascularization between January 2009 and December 2016. The objective was to assess whether adjuvant pedal arch revascularization improved the outcomes defined as the rate of wound healing at 12 months as the primary endpoint, and overall survival, freedom from major amputation, freedom from reintervention, and freedom from a combination of major amputation or any surgical or endovascular reintervention as secondary endpoints. The author selected patients without complete type 1 pedal arch and only those with chronic ischemic wounds. All procedures were performed by cardiologists under local anesthesia with ipsilateral femoral antegrade or contralateral crossover approach. 30% to 40% of the patients underwent combined femoropopliteal endovascular repair. The decision to perform multivessel infrapopliteal revascularization or tripedal arch revascularization was left to the discretion of the operators with the objective of obtaining at least one straight line blood flow to the ischemic wound territory. Attempts for pedal arch treatment were performed through antegrade wire passage or alternatively via pedal puncture, pedal plantar loop technique or transcollateral wiring. Postoperatively, wounds were managed by orthopedic surgeons or cardiologists. Follow-up assessment was performed with ABI postoperatively and at 6 and 12 months. Imaging was only performed on patients with symptoms or worsening wounds. Pedal arch revascularization was attempted in 141 patients, successfully in 89, 63% of them, and not attempted in 98, in whom tibial angioplasty was limited to the above ankle level. There were some slight baseline differences between both groups, namely more gangrenous lesions and infection in the pedal arch group. In this group, the anterior tibial artery and multiple vessels were targets significantly more frequently. To overcome possible confounding, the authors made a first analysis of the complete cohort and a second analysis with a subgroup of propensity score-matched patients with no significant baseline differences, 87 patients in each arm. Briefly, the cohort includes more than 75% male patients with a mean age of 67 years, 86% diabetics, and a third suffered from end-stage renal disease. 77% of the wounds were located in the toes and 28% were infected. 72% of the infrapopliteal target lesions were total occlusions and 85% were longer than 20 centimeters. Subintimal angioplasty was used in 47% of the patients in the pedal arch group compared to 30% in the other group, with 14% versus 6% tibial stenting, respectively. The pedal arch group obtained direct angiosome-based flow significantly more frequently, but postoperative ABI was similar in both groups. There was no pedal arch in a third of the patients in whom pedal arch revascularization was not attempted, with incomplete type 2 arch in two-thirds and that obviously did not change postoperatively. 
In contrast, in the patients in whom it was attempted, 40% achieved a complete type 1 arch, and the complete lack of an arch was reduced from 39% preoperatively to only 12% postoperatively. Complications like puncture-side hematoma, vascular rupture, dissection or distal embolization occurred in 8 to 12% in each group, not statistically different. Patients were followed for a median of 1.7 years. The primary endpoint, that is the rate of wound healing, was similar between both groups, but significantly better when extracting the subgroup with successful pedal arch revascularization. Wound healing was significantly worse in patients with type 3 occluded pedal arch postoperatively. Survival and freedom from reintervention were also similar between both groups. Freedom from major amputation was greater in the pedal arch group, both before and after matching, about 96% compared to 84%. In multivariate analysis, successful pedal arch revascularization was identified as an independent factor associated with improved wound healing, with an OR of 1.56. Gangrene, C-reactive protein above 3 mg per deciliter, and post-procedural type 3 pedal arch were independent risk factors for impaired wound healing. There is quite a bit of literature on the angiosome concept, and although it does have its advocates, it hasn't managed to convince the defenders of collateralization. Pedal arch revascularization offers a slightly different perspective. No doubt, having a complete type 1 arch improves prognosis significantly for both endovascular and bypass revascularization. Incomplete but present type 2 pedal arch, however, often feeds extensive collaterals in the forefoot and the heel, and it is doubtful whether it diminishes the chances of wound healing compared to a type 1 arch. In this study, wound healing seemed to be similar for postoperative type 2 and 3 arches, with about 75% and 80% wound healing respectively at one year. Is there a benefit or even a point in investing time and effort in attempting to convert a type 2 pedal arch into a type 1 pedal arch in these patients? Think about the added radiation, contrast, surgical time and economical cost, as well as the risk of losing the arch altogether through iatrogenic injury. In this series, the authors report that only one patient with a failed pedal arch revascularization attempt required bypass surgery, but offer no details about possible damage of pedal arteries or worsening of any arches. Also, as there was no systematic postoperative imaging, we do not know how many arches remained patent in the first few months after the procedure. The basal trial flagged that patients who underwent bypass surgery after failed angioplasty fared significantly worse than those who underwent surgery as their first procedure, and there is a lack of quality evidence regarding the inframalleolar vessels specifically. In contrast, when there is a type 3 pedal arch, that is, no arch, then the patient with an active ischemic wound would likely have nothing to lose, and if a tibial endo approach has been chosen, then the operator should go for it and try to recover an arch, even an incomplete type 2 one. It makes sense. So, the results described in this paper encouraged to use this technique, but selectively. The rate of healing after a year was about 70% in both groups. That means that 3 in 10 had not healed after such a long time. I wonder why, especially when a great majority were toe lesions. Were the patients with unhealed wounds the ones who had type 3 arches? Was it a lack of forefoot collaterals, even if they did have arches? Was there no further revascularization possible? Were minor amputations approached differently to what we are used to? As no vascular surgeons were involved at any point in the process, apparently, I wonder if there were any missed chances of open procedures or minor amputations to further help these patients.
and what happened beyond the first year. It is very frustrating how most endo reports are so short-term, and they never seem to be followed by long-term description of the same cohorts. Tibial angioplasty has poor midterm patency. Even if some patients were lucky enough to see their wounds completely healed, how many developed new ischemic wounds or rest pain in the second or third year or beyond? And what were the possibilities of treatment then if they did develop symptoms? This cohort covers patients from 2009 to 2016, far back enough in time to have longer follow-up data. The BASIL-2 trial is probably the only study where we will be able to see a head-to-head comparison of venous bypass versus endo treatment for infrapopliteal arterial disease. They have achieved 80% of the recruitment target already. I very much look forward to their results. Until then, this paper adds some data to our current knowledge. I encourage you to read the full-text paper in the December 2019 issue of the journal. The complete reference is European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2019, Volume 58, pages 854 to 863. It is an editor's choice, so open access for everyone. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 